This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. It's about time to actually light a fire. It's getting cool. Autumn is in the air. Well, it's arrived. Uh, but it is um, it certainly feels a little bit more like the fall up here, just north of Toronto in old Thornhill Village. Carlos Kajina is my technical producer. Ryan White is my live stream producer. And we are indeed live streaming on my YouTube channel, Strange Planet. Be sure to hit that red sub button. We're over 25,000 members now. Uh, I had a great time hosting Coast to Coast last night. Not sure if you were able to catch that. It's difficult now up in uh, Toronto, Ontario. I don't know that there are any affiliates that carry Coast anymore up here. I know they're looking for a home in, in Toronto. Uh, however, and I get emails every week. How can I listen to Coast to Coast in Ontario? And what I suggest you do is go on the coasttocoastam.com website and go to under media, I think. It's listed under media and then local stations. And just find an affiliate, any affiliate, actually. I happen to listen uh, to an affiliate out of Bowling Green, Kentucky. And then what you do is if you have the down if you have the app, Simple Radio, find that station on Simple Radio, and then you can stream it. You have to use your mobile device or your tablet. It's not the good old Philco on the kitchen counter anymore, folks. But, you know, that's the best way to get it done. Anyway, I mentioned in Coast last night. And J.J. French, or John, John French was with me in the first hour, founding member of Twisted Sister. And uh, if that wasn't your, your era, the early 80s, Twisted Sister sold something like 20 million albums, performed 9,000 live shows in about 40 countries. And J.J., Uh, as it turns out, is a a fan of the uh, conspiracy show. He's just released what he calls a bismoir. I like that, bismoir. Half memoir and half business book. And Twisted Business is the name of it. Twisted Business, Lessons from My Life in Rock and Roll. And uh, I'm I'm, I'm almost finished, the book. The first half of the book is about his life. Growing up Jewish in New York City in the 50s and 60s, his 
determination from an early age to become a rock star after seeing, of course, the Beatles perform on the Ed Sullivan Show in February 64. And then he um, he started dealing drugs and, and uh, taking drugs and had a number of close calls, horrible episodes, overdoses, things that very easily could have uh, gone south, ended his life. But he quit dealing and using cold turkey and put his mind to the business of rock and roll. And, and then the second half of the book uh, is about the business of show business and life lessons he, he learned after Twisted Sister formed in 73. And then there are 10 years of absolute struggle. There is a lesson about tenacity and stick and hanging in there 10 years of struggle and, and rejection. My word. Rejection after rejection before finally signing with Atlantic Records in the early 80s. And uh, their smash hit, of course, we're not going to take it. So, JJ, if you're out there listening, thanks for a great interview last night. And I hope you enjoy tonight's offering. Of course, I hope everyone enjoys tonight's uh, two-hour conversation. Bruce DeTorres is here. He's a very deep thinker. He's a, a writer, researcher, former actor, director. And he's about to take a, a deep philosophical dive into the false official narratives concerning JFK, MLK, RFK, 9-11, and much more. Uh, Bruce, as I mentioned, pursued a career in acting, directing, uh, and performing lead roles in comedies, dramas, musicals, after getting his uh, Bachelor of Fine Arts degree. And then Bruce decided to write a book about energy consciousness and the nature of reality. 9-11 happened along the way. After years of research, he incorporated it and similar things into God, school, 9-11, and JFK. The lies that are killing us and the truth that sets us free. Hey, Bruce, welcome. How are you, my friend? I'm really great and uh, honored to be here, Richard. I appreciate uh, the warm welcome and uh, overcoming a little struggle of my being. Being able to hear everything two seconds before we go live, so it's great to <laughs> successfully uh, hear you. Isn't live radio wonderful? I call it just-in-time delivery. Well, in this case, it certainly was. <laughs> so I'm, in, I'm, I'm interested in your background, Bruce. Acting, musicals, directing, well into your 30s, I guess. And all you wanted to do, and you talk about how... I guess you came to the realization that your 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 job as an actor wasn't just to deliver your lines. It was it was about paying attention to your scene partner and listening intently and then listening so intently that you were your performance was based on your reacting to to what they were saying. So how did that set the stage? How did that create this perfect storm that that led you off in this entirely different trajectory in your life and ultimately writing God's school, JFK and 9-11 and JFK? Well, I started paying attention in real life the way that I had learned how to do it on stage and was shocked by a, just the miscommunications, the, the my immaturity. Um, I, you know, I always, I functioned well. I had day jobs. 
in different offices. I that's how I supported myself nine to five, and I did all the acting in the evenings and on the weekends. And my and my friends loved me, and I probably seemed like you know a, a wonderful guy to a lot of people. But that learning how to really pay attention to my scene partner and then uh, the folks in my life. I just, you know, in my mid thirties, early thirties, I had discovered just all my rackets and habits of immaturity and manipulation and um, emotional dysregulation it's called and immaturity, Richard, just really in a nutshell. And it, and it brought everything to a grinding halt. I still went to work. I still, acted in some things, but did a big spate of soul searching and really was despondent and really, really was ready to give up, uh, completely, um, even life. And then I decided to stick around just to see what would happen next. I thought, okay, maybe I'm wrong about even this, the idea that I'm hopeless, you know, that my life was hopeless. I really, really was was burning in regret and uh, self-recrimination, just just self-hatred at what I thought was um, foolishness, just foolishness. So, But you, you were filled with such self-loathing because, what, you thought you were disingenuous? Yeah. Well, I was manipulative like a child I, in, in my personal relationships. You know, you only hurt the ones you love. You know, I could function at jobs and I could go to auditions and win parts and I could successfully, you know, be cheerful and, you know, get get plays going until, you know, people wanted to use me as the lead in play after play after a while. This is all off off Broadway, non paid stuff. But. I was also getting on television and things like that. But just in my personal life, Richard, with the people closest to me, um, I just I had seen, you know, going looking back in my 20s and, and high college and high school, I felt I was I was an idiot. I just felt that I was a, had been a fool and, and um, thought I would have been a lot more farther along in my life had I been more mature if I had been more considerate had I been more just all, all the greater all the all the simple things that I, I saw was possible when I could now look in someone's eyes and really hear them and uh, and 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 regard them and t- and take them in um, yeah so that that's really it that that's really uh you know what was it was a real brick wall I, I right hit but, uh, but yeah. the thing is, you caught yourself, Bruce. You realized that you weren't doing that. And it sounds like, at least in your performances on stage, you said, well, no, I need to, make, I need to pay attention to my scene partner. And then you, you caught yourself and you, you needed to do that in real life. Why wasn't that, you know, when you started, I think you, you used the term melding and bonding and merging with your scene partner and then trying to do that in real life. Why wasn't that enough for you that, Hey, I'm trying, I'm, 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 I'm going to correct this. Were you, were you, were you finding you weren't able to do that in, in real life? I, I got to all that you just described and you just described how I enjoy my life now. Um, but for, about a year, year and a half, I just was burning and churning with the regret and the recrimination of the 
missed opportunity for 30 years to have loved and enjoyed my, my family, my relationships, my friends, the way that I could now on stage. The, to pay attention to someone like that, as I'm trying to pay attention to you in this conversation, trying to pay attention like that to every moment of my life, is is a joy it's a challenge mm. but it's it's a joy because what i contend and would uh, like to to claim and get people thinking about is when we experience what's real which means what's present right here right now it's love and it's joyful which is what meditation takes people to which is what the poets take people to which is which is what uh, physicists even uh, well they don't call it love but they do say wow it's uh, it's it's uh, it's conscious uh, and our intention certainly influences what we experience perhaps completely uh, so but and right there was the turning point because after the months and months of despair and life review why did I do that why did I do that why didn't I just surrendered okay i'm gonna take it one day at a time probably like an alcoholic uh recovering and saying i know nothing and i'm going to surrender to a higher power and just trust That's right. at that moment a friend gave me just for whatever reason the book think and grow rich by napoleon hill mm-hmm. And I loved it. And it's it's a very metaphysical book. And it teaches thoughts become things. Thoughts are made out of energy and they become things. Everything's made out of energy. And if we can conceive it, we can create it. So I thought, okay. Um, and, and it also felt exactly kind of the influence people can have on each other that I felt on stage and then also in real life when we, we pay attention to what causes what, you know, how we regard each other. I wish that, you know, I could see you on camera. I can't right now. It'd be fun to see how, you know, you're looking at me, I'm looking at you and I, you know, we can take, I could take into consideration, you know, how you're hearing me and how I'm hearing you. You get the point you've had. You're a professional conversation. You get the point more than most. (laughs) Um, (laughs) conversationalist um so uh, okay think and grow rich okay thoughts are thoughts become things everything's made out of energy i thought all right uh what could i create that'd be worth a million dollars okay as an actor you never have any money so sometimes you think about things like that and i thought well what do people value well we value what helps us live we want to exist and just that simply richard the next question i asked myself was well is that why energy burst into existence supposedly 14 billion years ago in the big bang to become the universe and everything in it including you and me in this moment because it wanted to is energy the intention to exist is the intention the ability and that's why we get thoughts because question everything's also got gravity or attraction. So my question, why this did this happen? will attract all these answers. If you ask this question, why did that happen? Or how is my life 
terrible will attract a million infinite answers to that question. Or why is my life wonderful will attract infinite answers to that. So my mind was blown, Richard, by this concept of infinite power and also infinite uh, responsibility that we everything is made out of the intention to exist. So can we create whatever we want? And in, 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 in all at once, it jived with what I loved about all the writers, all the fiction, all the poetry I had written, uh, excuse me, that I had read my whole life because I was a lifelong reader from a very, very early age. And it also felt like it described what I was experiencing on stage following the impulses and the speeds and volumes of my scene partners and it it it, it worked for me and also you start I started reading about energy according to physics and discovered quantum physics and that whole all those ideas about the presence of the observer in influencing and determining what the observed becomes many of many students of quantum physics say there's no place where you stop and the rest of the universe begins everything's influencing everything and and i so i got a big aha wow i can write a book about that and i started researching and reading all about energy and quickly also at that time discovered the writings of Ralph Waldo Emerson, the transcendentalist from the 1800s. And I'll name Rumi, the Persian poet, and Khalil Gibran, and all the esoteric, all the mystical, magical writings of the Upanishads, the, the Bhagavad Gita, the uh, Eastern traditions, all the Zen traditions, Richard, are all describing what I'm trying to describe right now, that this is something of an illusion. There's only one of us here. We're pretending to be separate people moving sequentially through this thing called time when in actuality, like Deepak Chopra says, in reality, everything happens all at once. But in time and space and in a linear, in this three-dimensional, four-dimensional realm, we see things sequentially. So that really turned me on to, to, to write about that. And I started doing that and I did that for years. And this so this, this book that we have now in front of us, God, School, 9-11 and JFK, The Lies That Are Killing Us and the Truths That Set Us Free, started out as simply a book about energy and consciousness and the nature of reality. Exactly. Exactly. So and, uh, we're yeah. rolling into it. We're rolling into a break here in a couple minutes. We'll just start the, this part of the conversation now. And then once that music starts to percolate up, we'll take a break and continue after. But then how did it go from that? That book about energy and consciousness and the nature of reality into an examination of all of these official narratives and this brief history of the United States that you take us through in this tome. No, that was uh, that took years because I had written and developed and I can't hear the music. If you're hearing, I can't. Not, hear not it. yet. I'll let okay, you know. <laughs> good. Thank you. Um, I had thoroughly written over the course of almost 10 years, all about energy and consciousness and identity, because that's a huge uh, 
component of that whole package of thoughts. Um, and I had I had drafted up to two hundred and some pages, and then Richard, I crushed like a snowball, and I, my model, my metaphor was also crushing it like like a diamond, and I didn't want to say what you what others had said really, really well in many, many other books. So after nine years or so, I had 39 pages. I had 41, 39, 41 pages, something like that. And in 2004, I had a, I, I met a fellow who said, 9-11 is not the official story. Muslims had nothing to do with it. You really need to look into it. And that's the first I had heard of anything like that. So I started looking into 9-11 and I, I, I had my mind blown because to, to pull those threads apart and you used to, I, I, I guess the sequence was very quickly. I found David Ray Griffin's books, especially his first one, the new Pearl Harbor. Right. I, I found loose change on YouTube. I found zeitgeist by Peter Thomas. I think his name is or Thompson. And he had a piece of loose change and he had a piece about Christianity and zeitgeist. And then he had a piece about the Federal Reserve. So I studied the Federal Reserve. And again, just another mind blowing uh, fields of fascination for me. So right. I or started a swamp. <laughs> or a swamp, <laughs> depending on how, I mean, you can get lost in there, can you? Well, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And to uh, share that with, with the folks in your circle uh, is, is quite adventurous. Now that I was at that time, I wasn't acting anymore. And I, uh, but I was going every Wednesday night to an open mic night at a divey little bar. I was living in Atlanta at the time and they had singer songwriters. Everyone had 15 minutes, but they also let spoke word. So from the mid 90s to the mid 2000s, every Wednesday night, I was talking about energy and unity and the holographic nature of reality. And this is all an illusion. And there's only one of us here. And hey, Bruce, I got to jump in. Pardon the interruption. We're going to take a quick time out. We'll come back. We'll go back to that divey bar in Atlanta. Bruce DeTorris is with us. God, school, 9-11, and JFK, the lies that are killing us and the truth that sets us free. Back with more after these. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Bruce DeTorres is here, former actor, director, performer, and uh, now researcher, writer, deep thinker, and the book is God, School, 9-11, and JFK, The Lies That Are Killing Us and the truths that are setting us or that set us free. Uh, the website, incidentally, is brucedetorres.com, and I've hooked up to his website at strangeplanet.ca. Just click on Bruce's name. It'll take you right there. So you're you're kind of doing what, like a kind of a Lenny Bruce or Dick Gregory uh, kind of routine. You're just you're just speaking truth to power at this dive bar, divey bar in uh, – Atlanta, Georgia, talking about the, the nature of reality. How did that go over, by the way, with the crowd on open mic night? 
Oh, it was it was always a blast. I'm very comfortable on stage, and at first it was it was a whole new way to be on stage because I was used to having other people up there and more or less ignoring the audience, but not ignoring the audience. It was it was a bit of a transition to learn how to speak to a crowd, and so. But I got looser and looser and had more and more fun, so that everyone had fun, um, and. Uh, that was really gratifying because that was a huge challenge after being on stage in a different way, you know, in plays. So uh, it, it it was very much like stand-up comedy and just improvising. But I would often prepare uh, great notes about what I would talk about. And that was all about the energy and the consciousness and all that other stuff that we talked about before. And then after 2004, when I started uh, researching... 9-11 and the truth behind the scenes and who really pulls the strings and how the world really works. I started talking about that every Wednesday night. And then in 2011, it was the 10 year anniversary of 9-11. So I prepared seven nights, seven Wednesdays in a row, a, a real thorough, nice teaching about 9-11, getting all my ducks in a row. And for the first time writing, you know, organizing my thoughts about that two years later it was the 50th anniversary of president kennedy's assassination in 2013 and i did the exact same thing six or seven writing about organizing that and then in 2014 after 10 years of researching how the world really works is when i got the idea that my ideas about energy consciousness the real us uh were empowering solutions and, and the truth about these horrible events were solutions to the, the lies that they are. Hence, you know, the four main topics of my title and the subtitle, you know, the lies that are killing us and the truths that that set us free because it seemed like, okay, I'm, it's not just complaining about the truth about organized religion and the mind trap that that is and school is a huge is a big chapter and what a tra trained obedience school is and 9-11 and jfk these are these are depressing these are these are but but us, the solution is uh the reality of those events knowing the truth about those e events so we don't get suckered by more lies and we don't go kill more innocent people because we believe they're really enemies who attacked us and also, if you embrace what I, well, you know, it's, it's th these ideas about reality are not my ideas about reality. They're not sp just spiritual ideas about reality. One could just look, look at what quantum physics says about reality, consciousness, the holographic nature of, of perception and, and get equally as empowered that our thoughts and intentions matter they dictate form and give us what we experience and we can use that power for love and creation and sharing joyful existence together or fearfully competing with each other and walking stepping on each other to to get ahead and not caring how we hurt others as long as we get ours so that's what i put together uh, in in my book and then in early uh 2020 i submitted it to trine day 
Publishing, which is run by Chris Milligan, whose books right. I had been reading. Um, and he, he he took it on. He said he couldn't publish it till 2021. So I had a year to write a new chapter called COVID-19 all last year. And my book came out just this past spring. And I've been uh, really gratified to ask people to read it who whose books I'd read, who I really respected, and get have gotten some great, a lot, a ton of, of great reviews, and um, and have been you know been interviewed a lot because I it's my first foray you know out as an as an author, right? And I had hopes that it would resonate with intelligent people, and lo and behold, it, it has, and uh, here so, we are, and you know it's it's fun. so let me let me take it back to. Napoleon Hill, <clears throat> Think and Grow Rich, which kind of we kicked off the conversation with. Thoughts become things because they're made out of energy. So when we look at 9-11, and maybe a little bit later, I'll, you know, we just passed, we're a few weeks past the 20th anniversary, and um, and I want to go back to maybe kind of a laundry list. Um, that sounds like a kind of a callous way of putting it, but a laundry list of the, you know, some of the the lies that you you uncovered regarding the official narrative. But getting back to Napoleon Hill, the idea that thoughts become things because they're made out of energy, that does that suggest or does that lead us then to understand that we are all complicit in in things like 9-11 or a political assassination, uh, you know, because all of our thoughts uh, our energy and all of our, and we are manifesting these things. Well, Jen, broadly, yes, according to Bruce. Okay. And <laughs> we would have to sit at a campfire for hours to, to parse all you've, you've given us to in different ways of looking at the example you just framed. Uh, briefly and succinctly, it's, it's fun for me to imagine that my life is a maturity test. That's all it is. And to apply the idea that there's only one of us here along these lines that, oh, also in light of the thousands of people, Richard, who have died and been revived and described a beautiful love filled experience that they say is, was more real than this existence. It's empowering to, to, uh, to me as an individual. And I spend most of my time alone with myself. Like we all, all do to imagine that I'm an eternal spirit and I, I, I have no memory of what I was before I was born in this human life. I have an idea of what happens afterwards because of folks who've died and come back. And it's if, if there's only one of us here and everything is an illusion and it's a it's a maturity test then, you know, you, you, I can't help anyone and I can't hurt anyone else but myself. I can't 
I can't, uh, I can't love anyone without loving myself. I can't hate or be mad or have a grudge against somebody else. Cause to some extent, this is an illusion to some extent. Richard isn't talking to Bruce. Richard is talking to himself. You are the one and only spirit that exists. Okay. So to, to, to get this more grounded, I got to ask, I got I can't go farther without asking, did, did, did that make sense? Did you follow me that far? Uh, and, and then we can, I want to, you know, I want to, yeah, I mean, it's, okay. it's, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult concept for a linear thinker like myself, you know, but it, and I, which is why I love speaking to deep thinkers like yourself, because you make me, you know, expand my, my perspective on these things. It's, um, it does make sense, but, uh, but it's still difficult. You, you know, you can, you can understand it at a certain level, but to really comprehend what what that all entails is you know it's pretty mind-blowing we'll uh, just give me a minute to settle down here and think about it some more we'll, t- we'll take a time out and come back with bruce de torres stay with us right here on the conspiracy show pin numbers passcodes social insurance numbers if they make you wonder how private they are here's two more numbers 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740 Bruce de Torres stays with us for the full two hours and uh, delighted that he's uh, going to hang out with us for this long we need a we need some we need some runway uh, to discuss some of these deep thoughts so this idea um you know, these these traumatic events, these I think you, you refer to it as a fright ride or something like that, that are happening, you know, on this physical plane. And and here we are, we are spiritual beings having a physical experience on this plane. So everything that's happening on this plane, um this I, I guess it was was a Neil Bostrom talked about a, you know, the holographic universe or a digital simulation. It's it. It's a suggestion here that as these eternal beings, what's happening here right now, it's it's like a video game. It, in the end, we're all okay. No matter what happens here, we're all okay. I'd I'd like to think so. Uh, karma and dharma are ideas that are discussed when these uh, claims or concepts get discussed. That. Maybe it's not so scot-free. I'm intrigued by the idea of different dimensions, different universes, different realities. In one book I read about all this, Richard, they said, you know, theoretically, based on the computations of quantum physics and how energy works, that there could be infinite dimensions. Okay, and every version of every event is always happening. Okay, (laughs) every version of our past, not only the version we remember, the version where we didn't get that girlfriend, the the version where we, you know, we remember we lost the game, but there's a version where we won the game. There's a version of the the past where 
the South won the Civil War. There's a version of the past where John F. Kennedy wasn't assassinated. And to just see, <laughs> maybe to, I don't, it's, it's my, it's my mind, right? I get to think whatever I want. So if I want to think that all my heroes that I've ever read about who look like they're dead, they're really alive. They're really surrounding us. They're really here all the time, as I've been here all the time, as you've been here all the time, eternally. The The net result of these ideas, Richard, tangibly for you and I to deal with 2021 and the rest of our chronological years is simply this, to think thoughts that give us power, to, to think thoughts that give us power and make it wonderful to be you and I. And the thoughts that do that for me are not necessarily the thoughts that are going to do that for anybody else. But I wrote a book with my best thoughts in it, hoping that there's enough people out there who are going to say, thank God I found this book because I'm getting a kick out of the way this guy looks at things, which is the smallest part of my book because the big fat middle of my book, it's only 175 pages, is a litany of horrors. It's to teach people the, the facts about what organized religion is, and that's, that's interpretive. That's my interpretation of what organized religion was intended and does do our minds in terms of scaring us and controlling us and manipulating us toward obedience to authority. And school does the same thing, big chapter. And the truth about 9-11 was self-inflicted by the U.S. government or elements thereof to justify more worship of authority and letting in more sacrifice of more, more, more of our rights, the truth about the JFK assassination. And as I examine those things, I go on a big tangent about the CIA, and I teach all I can about the background that I found of the banking and corporate forces that orchestrate these kind of events that co-opted and took over the American government over the last 160 years, if not longer, definitely since the uh, Civil War. And uh, uh, the secret societies of, of uh, America, primarily Skull and Bones, primarily of uh, place people to manipulate and control our resources and our, our time, our energy, our attention, the things we're afraid of and the thing and how we're trained to do and believe what is going on is the way that the mainstream corporate media is telling us in order to scare us in order to control us uh, like i say all in 175 pages and wrapped bookended by you know just my little journey and then uh, what's energy and if there's only one of us here and thoughts become things we can you know when when more of us know that you know love will find a way and then at the end i kind of wrap it up again with that to to help us as adults, Richard, deal deal with the horrors. Right. And, it, yeah. What 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 are your thoughts then on given that I guess there is some level of, you know, since there's only one of us here, which is kind of a central theme, you know, this illusion of separateness, that, that there's just consciousness. Uh, and so there's only one of us present. And so there is a there, we we 
we or the, the I, the us, uh, are, are somewhat complicit in everything that happens here. What does that say then about the nature of good and evil? Well, it asks big things about it. Um, I'll refer to a big book called A Course in Miracles. That and you have Marianne, 30 seconds. And you have 30 seconds. <laughs> thank you for that. Thank you. Well, we're going to, on the other side, we're going to talk about A Course in Miracles and good and evil and own it. We're going to own every intention, you know? Is it to welcome and love and reassure and make ourselves and everyone who can hear our voice and be influenced by our presence feel safe and welcome and wanted and loved? Or are we going to harden in fear, think we can be hurt and therefore hurt first? And that's the context in which we'll explore, well, what's good and what's evil? It depends on your purpose. You know, good for what or bad for what? What's your purpose? What's your intention? And do you want something for yourself that you don't, don't want for everybody else? And that's the beginning of ego is to think that I'm separate from anyone or anything or from creation. That's also the alienation that hurts. And then I want revenge because if I'm hurt, I want revenge. If I think it's my fault, I'll hate myself and I want to kill myself. If I think it's your fault, I'm going to hate you and want to kill you. So... Uh, All right. Much to ponder, Bruce. On the other side, we'll pick it up. Uh, Bruce de Torres stays with us in the book again, God, School, 9-11 and JFK, the lies that are killing us and the truth that sets us free. More of this after these. Fasten your seatbelt and put your tray in the upright position. You're about to leave everything you know behind on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Uh, Bruce, we were talking about well, the nature of good and evil, uh, given that you know we are the manifestation of our intention to exist. So I guess we have 100% responsibility for everything that we cause and, and create. So then leading us back to that question, what does that say then about the nature of good and evil? I mean, there is, there's no, uh, there's no separateness, right? We can't say that, okay, you know, we are the, the, the sheep that are being preyed upon. We are the victims of these powerful cabals or secret societies, uh, you know, we have the white hats and they have the black hats. It's not that simple then, is it? No. And it's worthy of infinite exploration, conversation, speculation. You and I could talk about this for two hours tonight and then talk about it again tomorrow for two hours and really, you know, look at it in a whole different way, but to, to not dodge, you know, the question, Bruce, what is good? What is evil? And, and uh, I'm going to stand on the, the, the strength, the satisfaction it gives me to take responsibility for everything that I'm experiencing every second. So something like 9-11 happens. Okay. And that's, that's evil. Okay. I want to know who did it. Okay. 
I've uh, I've got righteous indignation for uh, and desire for justice about that, out of empathy and horror for the people who who died. I would love to see the perpetrators locked up, and then have an honest judicial process <laughs> have its way with them. Okay. I, I, I don't pretend to know what their punishment should be. I don't pretend to, to, to you know, I, I, I know that I don't know if they deserve the death sentence. I certainly want them locked up for the rest of their lives, whoever they might be. So I'm not I'm not saying that those things aren't real. Those things haven't happened. But when you look at the ideology and ideologies that seem to fuel the folks who you can find, uh, if not personally their names, the, the factors and the forces that, that are behind such things. For example, the good folks who've matriculated through Skull and Bones. Um, there's not all of them. Not all of them. Just like everyone at the CIA isn't complicit in its crimes and horrors. There's, there are factions, there are need to know, there's compartmentalization. Uh, but a lot of these, the elite of the elite who you really can implicate in, in a lot of horrors and a lot of evil, they've got very esoteric occult slash spiritual uh, rituals, practices that indicate their beliefs. It's tough to say what someone's belief is. You can only deduce it from the evidence our senses can glean, their behavior, their habits, their actions. And for all I know, they are simply acting out of exactly what I've embraced as a rather delightful, life-loving idea that this is all an illusion and it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you do i'm not that extreme because well because uh, i don't advocate i don't say that that justifies harm to anybody or selfishness no because no, that could be a reckless uh yeah you know viewpoint that nothing matters here this is a this is a, a simulation it's a game in the end nobody gets hurt because you know people do at least on this physical plane obviously uh mm -hmm. so yeah we can't we can't go down that road necessarily and look at it just as this, you know, it's thrills, it's shocks. It's a, uh, it, it's, it's like a, like a scare house or, or, uh, you know, a haunted house and on the midway or, or what, or what have you. Anyway, go ahead. I, I, I interrupted. No, it's, it's, it's all that too. It's, um, I say it with, such certainty as if, you know, I, I've, I got a, you know, I got the, the tablets off of, uh, you know, the, these are ideas that I, I assert because of the fun and the power that they give me. And in my book, I've got 43, 46 pages of sources for every one of these topics, including a nice long list of all these lovely, starting with the Bible studies. Of, of how to look at things very philosophically, very poetically, very uh, esoterically, uh, um, and, and things like that. And the first chapters in my book help uh, anyone address these things, Richard, because it's all about why 
do I think what I think? Why do we think what we think? And I submit it's by habit. I submit that's the reason most folks do most of what they do. And the the extreme of these esoteric ideas, which we're I'm bantering about so glibly here, like, oh, it's so obvious. No, it's not obvious. It takes a lot of a lot of thinking and reading and pondering and you know to 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 be to be comfortable enough to try to describe this um and i just submit to you richard just how most folks because there there are people with incapacities and there are people who are insane there are people with habits of negativity and cynicism and worrying who can't do what i'm about to describe most folks however enjoy nature most folks can enjoy being in the countryside or on the beach and watching children play and watching hearing the seagulls overhead and seeing the beauty of the sun coming through the flowers and take a deep breath and watching animals play and interacting with a child or a baby or or, or an animal a puppy or a kitten with the or with just the right music and be transported into ecstasies that reveal to us wow you know there's there's a lot more going on than just what's on television tonight or just the horrors in the headline news and that's the whole access to spirituality that i would submit to anyone to to dabble with and and this goes back to my aha on stage looking in the eyes of my scene partner and trying to bond and connect quite intentionally it's falling in love and what all the poets and what all of our friends and neighbors and relatives have described about what falling in love is, that's the bonding and the, the experience that, that turns the key and, and, and inspires us to relate to all of life and every moment with that same uh, experience or intention. And to have that happen once is enough hope to, for, for many folks to... Uh, not give up when they are in the depths of despair because of this particular situation, that particular situation, because life goes on and there is that uh, that wonderful, loving stuff that we can experience. And yes, bad things happen. And yes, there are uh, scoundrels out there who do horrible, horrible things. You can read all about it, folks, in my uh, thing, because... Um, I hope, and I assert, and others have said this, and I embrace it, that something will happen when enough of us know the truth about these things. I spin that and say good things will happen when enough of us know, when enough of us know that our government has lied about things, blamed, done things and blamed it on innocent people and have hurt and attacked and killed them, have uh, used our monies to perpetrate horrors and evils. All the things you've explored for years with your many, many guests, Richard. Right. Um, well, it's quite uh, something to be uh, pontificating to someone such as yourself, who's well-schooled and well-versed. Well, you know, after 20 years, I don't know that I'm any closer to the answers. That's the maybe the the distressing part, or maybe it's not. Because, you know, as you, as you point out, like Lennon McCartney had it right. All you need is love. But it's not just some glib thing. I mean, there is a whole, like... 
when you talk about engaging with your scene partner, melding and merging and looking into their eyes and what you're really, you're, you know, you're looking back at yourself, you're recognizing yourself. So you're loving yourself. Um, and, and I guess as we approach uh, hour two, something that we can pick up on the other side is then if that is ultimately what we, we're striving for, then is, you know, discussions about was it nanothermite? Uh, who changed the Kennedy parade route? Who had the power to do that? Uh, you know, where was was there a, a second shooter on the Dell Tech building? Uh, you know, did LBJ actually confess to Madeleine Duncan Brown, his mistress, that, you know, he knew that they were going to kill Kennedy? All of those things. Is that not a distraction? Is that not a trap, maybe, in a sense, uh, to, that takes us – it's almost my, – my friend uh, Nelson Thal, who studied under Marshall McLuhan, and Nelson is a, is a semi-regular on the program, says that's a, it's almost like counting blades of grass on the, on the, on the grassy knoll. It's mm-hmm. like where ultimately does that get us? But we'll, um, we'll pick up on all of those threads uh, on the other side. Bruce DeTora stays with us. Hour two of The Conspiracy Show coming up. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed basement with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the dogs playing poker. Your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate in your cabin in the woods. And hello to everyone listening in on our flagship station, AM 740 and 96.7 FM Zoomer Radio in Toronto. And hiya to each of you tuning us in on one of our affiliate stations. Uh, Hey there to those of you streaming us live on the Zoomer Radio app, which is fabulous, by the way, uh, or on zoomerradio.ca. And those of you streaming us live on my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, and of course, uh, all of you who uh, hang out with us in the uh, live chat on YouTube every week so faithfully. However and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes and I thank you for your fine company. Uh, hey, don't forget to check out my uh, new weekday radio program. Well, not so new. It's been uh, over six months. The Richard Serrett Show, uh, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Saga 960 AM, heard across the GTA AM 960. You can stream it live at saga960am.ca, and you can also stream it on uh, the Simple Radio or TuneIn apps and uh, my podcast, uh, Conspiracy Unlimited. New episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com, or just go to strangeplanet.ca. Everything's right there. Too many email or too many websites, uh, strangeplanet.ca. That's kind of the clearinghouse. Uh, writer, producer, Sorry, writer, researcher, former actor, director, Bruce DeTorres is with us. Uh, his book, Many Years in the Making, is God, School, 9-11, and JFK, The Lies That Are Killing Us and the Truth That Sets Us Free. Is that many years in the making, Bruce? Was it, I'm trying to remember whether it was um, – was it Einstein? He asked somebody, you know, how long do you think it makes sense to, uh, to bake an apple pie? And um, the person, you know, they tried – adding up this is what i would do again i'm a linear thinker <laughs> you know you'd add up okay so how long does it take to peel the apples and then you got to make the crust and then you got to put the filling in the crust and then put the 
to put the pie pie in the oven and you add all of that. But what, maybe two hours to bake a pie, Albert? And uh, Einstein said, no, 14 and a half billion years to bake that pie, right? You got to, it all begins with the Big Bang or what have you. Anyway, I guess my, that's a, my roundabout question of asking how long did it take to write that book? Wow. It, well, I began it in 95. It came out in 2021. So what's that? 26 years. Wow. There were, there were a number of years where it was fallow, where it was just lying in a drawer. Um, and that's when I was researching the, you know, the horrific events. So, and then it was a crash from a, a, a sprint, a marathon from 2014 to 2021 to finish it, getting up early, staying up late. Um, and it's it was transformative, you know. It's uh, I'm on the other side. I'll never work on something that hard again. I don't know if right. I'll ever write another book again. And it's just, uh, it's, well, I guess, uh, I guess kind of yeah. using Einstein's model, not necessarily going back to the Big Bang, but I guess every <laughs> every from the moment you were born, every experience you had, every every conversation you had, every painful event, every joyful event, all sort of contributed, I guess, to the writing of the book, in a sense. Yes, because the, the impetus was, was the solution to being a human that it was for me, the original idea, like we talked about in the first hour, which is, you know, energy is the intention to exist. The intention is the ability. Everything's made out of energy. Um, and we're all here because we want it to be, whether we, you know, we were the the original impetus to exist that burst into existence as this universe, which is just a theory. We don't know that's how the universe started. And or if we're the one and only eternal spirit who is pretending to be other people, you know, there's one hand up all these puppets. We're all different puppets, but we're the same infinite ocean of consciousness and love. That's or if we're individual eternal spirits, regardless the 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 joy of imagining I'm here because I want it to be. Everything I experience is coming to me from the real me. For years, Richard, the working title of my book was "The Real You and All You Create." So, if uh, lightning strikes a tree right now and crashes through this this roof and ends this conversation, and I've got to deal with that. Anyone, especially a mature child, would freak out and think it's a catastrophe. Oh, Richard will never have me back on his show. And, oh, I work so hard to ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Woe is me, woe is me. But I'm here to tell you the fun and the power that I have imagining I want everything that happens. Life is a maturity test. And if I trust it, the real me, the 99.99999% of reality that's really, really me, this eternal spirit, I won't fret because uh, the conclusion that works for me and many other wise ones who I learned a lot from reading and talking to by owning everything and, and not rejecting anything, we remain whole. We remain all we can be. And then we have, uh, you know, we can have some peace and pleasure, even as I have to get a saw and take care of this tree that just came through the through the roof. Okay, so getting back to what we were discussing <laughs> just before. Yeah. 
God forfend that a tree comes crashing through your roof. Um, but you know, that's a, that's a, that's a great way to approach things. You know, I, 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 I am prepared for everything. I am prepared for everything. So uh, I think you, you, you talk about, you know, that, that this world and this life is all about fear management. Mm. Um, we can come back to that, but I, I wanted to pick up on all of those, uh, I kind of knocked a can of worms over before the, uh, the top of the hour there. And that was, um, whether pursuing all of these threads, let's say with nine 11 or JFK, I mentioned nanothermite and, and, um, you know, who was, who was ACE elevator and what were they doing, uh, at the trade center, world trade center towers. And, uh, you know, were those planes or were those holograms or, you know, a million and you've been over, you know, 10 years of obsessing on this. You've you've covered it all, I'm sure, and read it all. But in the end, isn't that all just a distraction? Isn't that, as my friend Nelson Thal says, counting blades of grass on the grassy knoll because we're, you're kind of losing sight of the picture that, again, this is this is school. This is a learning experience. Um, and it's all, you know, all you need is love. Yeah. We see a lot of folks who get obsessed with that minutia, by the way, quick question. Can you see me on the video stream, Richard? I can. Yes. And there is no tree crashing through. Thank goodness. Yes. Now that helps me know, you know, that that uh, you can see how I'm listening and et cetera, because I can't I can't see you. Um, as I was outraged by the truths I found about nine 11 and then the federal reserve and, and everything else, um, I was really angry and, uh, but I was also very motivated. It, it's tr- it, That's me. But I, but to, in studying it, I got a feel for, okay, I, I I've looked at that particular question long enough. I have to come back and and look at other things. There's only so many blades of grass you can count on the grassy knoll for me. Because, and especially after 2014, when I realized, oh, I'm not just studying this for my own obsession, because that's why I was studying it for my own conviction. And and then I must've reached a point where I was so convinced that I thought I'm going to dare to try to publish a book because I'm so certain about what I'm going to put in there and I'll put in, I'll put in enough of the sources so that I won't wilt when scrutinized about where'd you get that or why are you claiming that? Or are you really sure about that? Because there's a lot of folks who, who, who could react like that. And, um, and I think the value, see, to count all the blades of grass, Richard, and to and to parse all the minutia, at some point I, w- I would ask those folks, who's that for? Who are you doing it for? What good is knowing all that stuff if you're not going to try to uh, educate folks who've been duped like we used to be when we believed maybe the mainstream stories? All this is only worth something if we spread to me just, you know, spread the word about it um, and not get, you know, so, so lost. 
Here's a great point about, you know, for instance, the question, you know, were the planes that hit the towers real planes or were they holograms? This is a this is a great part of my little my story. Last year, as my book was as I was writing my COVID-19 chapter, my publisher said he wanted to start a podcast and I offered to help. And he asked me to uh, introduce each episode, and then I volunteered to edit each episode, and we just do an audio. We capture it on Zoom, and we do an audio. So every week for the last 50-some weeks, Chris has interviewed his various authors. He's published 120 books in the last 20 years about these kind of things. And he's been studying this stuff for 50 years. Do you know Chris Mulligan's story, I do, Richard? yes. I do oh. know Chris, yeah. Oh. A lot of his authors have been... Uh, through oh. this, through here over the last 13 years. Okay. Do you remember him telling how he first heard about conspiracies and things like that? It had to do with his dad, I think. Yeah. When Chris was 20 years old in 1969, his father told him. How, he knew his father had worked for the CIA, but he didn't know any details. And then he he learned a lot. His father told him a, a few core core things. Fast forward to the point I was starting to make, uh, whether they were planes, whether they were holograms, Chris warns people constantly that there are tons of different forces and entities and factions and nationalities and intelligence agencies and just troublemakers and money makers who are firehosing all kinds of misinformation, disinformation and malinformation to drive us crazy to get us to take sides so that we can be divided and conquered. And, and Chris, you know, jumped into nine 11 truth immediately after it happened. And he started seeing any, and he started seeing how suddenly ideas were introduced. Like the planes were holograms. And a lot of that, Richard, here's the point is fed into the, the uh, research in order to split people off. A lot of, a lot of it could be, Agents provocateur, you know, undercover spooks who come in with these different slants to drive us nuts and have us arguing about, you know, was there a suicide pilot in JFK Jr.'s plane or like Damon Issey really seems to prove a bomb probably went off back at the tail. And that's why the way of the plane went straight down. No suicide guy would do this. So if we could be arguing about you know, where were the shooters at Dealey Plaza? We're wasting our own time. And that serves the, the, the ghouls who, who, who did it. So that's an orientation to, to right. I think know, we talk, we, assault. Yeah, yeah, we talk so much about um, means, methods, um, and, and that's important, I guess. But maybe we need to talk more about motivation, um, opportunity. Mm hmm. I uh, I love framing it like that, Richard, because what what I love doing as I, I'm practicing how to talk about my book, because I've, I mean, I've talked about it to friends and family for years. But now this is the first time. Hey, nice to meet you, Bruce. What's your book all about? And I love describing regular Americans uh, or any citizens as members of the jury. And you can grow up your whole life believing the government and mainstream media's story about something. But 
people who write books like mine and people who have shows like yours, we're showing the other side of the story. It's kind of like you have to hear the defense. You can't just hear the prosecution's case and think you're quali- think you know what's going on and think you're qualified to cast a verdict of whether or not that's what happened or not. You have to see the other side. So you just you just gave an example of listing like at what point do you have enough facts to to share them with someone to inspire them to say, you know what? There's so much smoke there. There might I want to look into that. And that's uh, a tactic I really, really embrace. Like, how do we sift and sort all you could know about JFK or all you could know about 9-11? It's like, well, probably enough to inspire one to do their own research, kind of see like, wow, it's really credible. You know, you could say the same for the, the, the virus for the last year and a half. There's a lot of folks who just believe hook, line, and sinker what their politicians and what their medical authorities have been telling them and not seeing or believing the doubt and the pushback because they haven't seen enough or done the research for themselves to to imagine, wow, there's enough counterbalance there that I'm going to stay neutral until I know enough to dare to indulge in the luxury of a belief about any of these topics you know folks have a little humility you know have an open mind um you get the point i'm trying to say there i think i I, I, absolutely i I think i think with with this uh, pandemic um and i always have to preface it of course you know the virus is real and people are dying and people are getting sick it's it's the it's the overwrought you know response uh, that I think is certainly worthy of a lot of examine, a lot more examination. But I think finally, hopefully, we have with this we have have because it has been so, the overreach has just been ridiculous. That I think people are finally now waking up because the media doesn't even try and pretend anymore that they're being biased or that they're being uh, non-biased and objective. Uh, it is it is so out in the open now. Um, and it, was it Orwell who talked about how tyranny rules by fraud and by force? Mm. And but once you expo- expose the fraud, all they have left is is the force, and that's where we're at now. I mean, if you look at Australia mm. in particular, and and here in Canada, my lord, some of the images coming out of Vancouver at a restaurant mm. where a man refused to uh, provide a vaccine passport, and seventy year old man, and the police tackled him and slammed him to the ground. Uh, that's, that's where we're at right now. It's, it's just, it's, it's naked and raw for anyone to see, you know, the reaction to this and that the way the media is cheerleading from the sidelines, I mean, they're supposed, their job used to be, uh, to, to give comfort to the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. They're not even pretending to do that anymore. Yeah. You you summed up, uh, the urgency of shows like yours and publishers like Trine Day and uh, folks who write books that try to address uh, reality. Because these are these are these are facts. The things in my book, the things your guests talk about, what the governments are doing, especially when you know a little history, you know that this is this is really bad. This is really, 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 really bad. And it's urgent 
to to inspire more people to doubt the mainstream story, research the story, and and do likewise and encourage others to 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 see like for whatever the medical reality is, which is completely unknown. Tangent sidebar: the medical reality of the pandemic for the last year and a half is a cloud of shadows and mists and subterfuge and confusion and contradictions. Specifically, in my opinion, there's no accurate case numbers or death numbers. We have no idea how dangerous or how harmless it might be, period. Right. Just and the, the fundamental questions, you know, masks, not masks. Uh, now they just admitted the six, you know, the six feet, the two meters for social distancing. Where did that come from? Nobody knows. Well, somebody apparently just made it up. <laughs> just, you know, some pretty fundamental questions right from the get go that were not really, uh, really questioned. Um, I wanted to ask you while we're talking about about covid and this idea of collective responsibility. Uh, in other words, it's my responsibility to get vaccinated, to make you feel or someone else feel that they are free of risk. Uh, and I, I mean, I take great umbrage with that. I didn't sign up for that. I mean, I, you know, I, 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 I love my, my family and I, I know I, we're supposed to love one another, but this idea of being free from risk, I think it was um, Matt Walsh, who is a terrific podcast. He's on the Daily Wire. He talks about that's like asking someone, you know, you should be able to jump out of a building and be free of gravity or to swim in shark infested waters and be free of the risk of a shark attack. I mean, nobody has a right to be free of risk, right? I, I completely agree. And um, it's uh it's it's to me it's an example of an outrageous and egregious reach to see how much they can get away with to see how much will comply how much will comply with it's absurd and those who've studied psychological warfare psychological manipulation who've studied torture um and have studied abusive relationships, explore the heck out of the mind games that an abuser will inflict on their victim. And uh, it's synonymous with, in my opinion, these, these many, many different uh, demands, uh, unreasonable demands. Sure, theoretically, Richard, if it's theoretically possible there could be some medical something that ever occurred that could occur that would satisfy your threshold of conviction or proof you would need to see or I would need to see to think theoretically that 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 me staying away from you or me wearing a mask could protect you from an illness that I don't feel that I don't feel I have so it but that goes back to what you said earlier about it's so obvious the fraud that's being perpetrated for kind of the first time ever there's never been 
in my understanding, asymptomatic, this is a, it doesn't exist. There are lots and lots of doctors who are censored, blocked, deplatformed. You're not, it's hard, they're hard to find who are pulling their hair out trying to right. make everybody a- know that asymptomatic spread. Yeah. Yeah. You, if you, you have to really, you have to be sick. You know, when you're sick, you're sneezing, you're achy, you're, you're, you're drew your noses, you're running, you want to stay home, you've got aches and pains. That's when you're contagious. Bruce, I got to take a quick time out. We'll come you back and uh, you pick it up on the other side. Bruce DeTorris, BruceDeTorris.com, God School 9-11 and JFK. Back with more in a moment. Don't go away. The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Writer, researcher Bruce DeTorres is hanging out with us for the full two hours in the book again, God, School, 9-11, and JFK, The Lies That Are Killing Us and the Truth That Sets Us Free. We're talking about uh, right now, um, kind of kicking the can around here, but we're talking about the pandemic. Um, I'm just... I'm wondering, kind of in a larger perspective, when we're looking at the reaction to COVID, and I, I look at Australia, like the canary in the coal mine, that's, you know, a, a liberal Western democracy, liberal that has turned very illiberal. Uh, and it, it seems like it's they're in, you know, full bore tyranny right now. So the canary is dead. Uh, and, you know, is that where we're heading? But you look at the way uh, authority there is dealing with, um, you know, anyone who dares to, to push back or question the narrative. I mean, they're going to people's homes and dragging them out and, and, uh, and so forth. Um, it's, it's trauma like nine 11 was trauma. Uh, like seeing the president of the United States, uh, executed, uh, you know, in, in front of thousands of people. And then well, later on, television, I guess, when the Zapruder film was finally released, you know, millions and millions of people, mass trauma. Um, and the, the perpetrators, who's ever behind any of these things, how much of that has to do with creating this kind of a ritual? Like if um, Kent Bain talks about 9-11 as a black mass, a ritual, an occult ritual, or JFK the, um, the as the sacrificial king, these kind of uh, myths and so forth. Do you do you believe that there is an aspect of that, a truth to that, that these whoever orchestrates these things, whoever is behind these things, there is an occult, occultic link. There is a um, it's intended as a ritual, and uh, I don't know to appease some darker forces. I don't know. I've come to learn that and give it great credence over the last year from books like Kent's. Uh, that 9-11 book is called The Most Dangerous Book in the World. 9-11 is Mass Ritual. And Trine Day just published, or it's coming out soon, a book called Royal Vengeance, 
the 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 history of human sacrifice, the royals and human sacrifice. So yeah, Richard, I've I've learned um, tons that that indicates exactly what you've just described, and it goes back to human sacrifices thousands of years ago in tribal cultures as a as a legacy kind of practice by the elite of the elite still in charge, still in power. And if you, and and history is replete with examples of false flags and just plain lies of kings and leaders starting real wars or just threatening, just broadcasting to their people. We're about to be attacked. Therefore, I need extraordinary powers. And all the scared people willingly give their government extraordinary powers. And they take the first fruits of the crops and the strongest men and the strongest horses and put spies among them and overturn, open up their houses. And, um, and it's, it's absolutely fascinating. There's a new book called The Valediction, Three Nights of Desmond by Paul Fitzgerald and Elizabeth Gould talking about uh, our duplicity in Afghanistan. And then they get into an esoteric story part two of their book comes out next year and it's got to do with paul as a fitzgerald related to the fitzgerald and the kennedy uh lineage of fitzgeralds and the fitzgeralds going back a thousand years and the conflicts with the royal families back then indicating that the killing of president kennedy was was indeed the ritualistic killing of the king that sarah whalen's book royal vengeance describes quite thoroughly as a very powerful ritual and event because it re it uh it renews uh things have to die that's that's an old tribal and uh sacrificial uh symbology going you know, going back to the beginning of time it's barbaric obviously but right. very specifically as to what what you know to trauma-based mind control trauma as a as the way to control minds in a society i recently have been listing how at least every 20 years, but now much more frequently, there are these massive traumas. You could say that COVID is a massive, horrific, fear-inducing trauma. 20 years earlier, 9-11. 20 years earlier, you have a series of them in the 80s. You've got the attempt on Reagan. He survived. You have the Challenger explosion, which uh, if it wasn't an accident, it's it really slots in as an intentional trauma. There was a school teacher on board. The American schools, I don't know about Canada, put all their children in front of televisions to watch the Challenger space shuttle go up. And about, you know, a minute 19 or whatever into it, or 46 seconds into it, boom. 20 years before that, you had the Kennedy assassination. You had the horrors of Vietnam War. You had Martin Luther King. You had Robert Kennedy. Now, follow me. It looks like every 20 years, every generation has to be terrified to surrender and into lockstep obedience to their governments. Because in the 40s, you had World War II. 20 years before that, you had World War I. In America, 20 years before that, you had a president assassinated, Garfield, in the 1800s. 20 years before that, you had Lincoln assassinated in the Civil War. 20 years before that, you had the Mexican War, which was really our first incursion and capture of empire and slaughter of innocents on, on, on that first scale. And, sh and so, and then the MK Ultra, you know, research uh, 
Yeah, trauma is the way to frighten someone into being your slave. And you can say that we are a traumatized planet now. It's what the Nazis did to Germany I see happening to the planet by the same factors, forces, and factions that funded the Nazis. There's a great documented trail about how Wall Street and London built up the Nazis, built things for them, funded them, and built things for them through the war. It didn't stop when the war started. So right. Prescott Bush, yeah. 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 Ford, Rockefeller but, oil additives going to the fuel. Yeah, yeah. But getting back to, to Kent Bain and, and um, uh, the most dangerous book in the world, 9-11, is, is Mass Ritual. And he and others have, have, have documented this, uh, the timing of these events and these mm. these occult symbols like calling cards and and the the dates that they choose whether it's TWA 800 or the you know the Lockerbie Pan Am 103 or Swiss Air or you know 911 and i suppose some might argue well if you look hard enough uh, you know you can make any connection uh, you know to any specific date and so forth but I mean, there, there does seem, the more you look at it, there does seem to be something there with the timing of these things. It does seem like a calling card. Mm-hmm. And I guess my question then is that, again, the people who, who are behind this, these things, if there is this coordinated, you know, uh, coordination across centuries, um, who are they, for what purpose are they? Are they leaving these 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 calling cards? Why are they they making it happen on certain dates? Are are who are they trying to, or what are they trying to gain the favor of? Mm. Uh, I mean, are, are are there some is there some darker spiritual force at work here that 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 um, we're not aware of? Well, there might be. Um, their practices indicate they believe that there are. And uh, Kent, who writes under S.K. Bain, if you want to, if, for folks who want to look him up, um, details in that particular book, 9-11 as a mass ritual, that such things serve the cult who implements them, that they're a Luciferian, you know, black magic uh, belief system that it commemorates and the more people who participate the more energy is given to their effort so we everyone who watched the towers come down watched about 2000 2500 people die so we watched a slaughter we watched a human sacrifice so that had a lot more energy to the folks who pulled it off than if they took 2,500 people uh, to a field and killed them without millions of people watching. Um, Richard, isn't that intense? And it's, it's, uh, you know, Kent fairly proves that 9-11 by lining up in his book how so much of the new numbers from the flights, 11 and 175 and United 10 and 77, chart very, very accurately a lot of the numbers in Aleister Crowley's, one of his major tomes uh, praising, you know, Lucifer and his whole Luciferian, you know, belief system. So the folks who inflicted 9-11 on the world, it, it can't 
be a coincidence that it's lined up with that right. uh, high priest Crowley. And, yeah, it's almost yeah. like the entire thing was an homage to, to Crowley at, uh, to a certain extent. Got to take another time out, uh, Bruce. Sure. Yeah. We'll come back and uh, chat some more. Stay with us. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. How you doing, Bruce? This is a long time to chat. Are you okay? You need you got water? You're good? I'm fantastic, yeah. All right, you. good. You know, uh, I was thinking, I have been thinking, actually, uh, I've been doing this type of program at different, you know, up and down the dial in, in, uh, in Toronto for about 20 years now, almost without interruption. And one of the things that I am conflicted by, or that I actually, I regret in all honesty is that, you know, over the 20 years and my views have have changed and, and, uh, you know, we evolve or devolve, uh, and sort of learn as we go. But I, I, if I have a regret, it would be that the body of work may have, contributed to kind of an anti-American sentiment. It, the United States has become kind of, I think, a convenient uh, punching bag. Um, you know, the America is the great Satan, which I don't believe. I mean, I I think America is uh, was born as a great experiment and is, is trying to live up to that. It hasn't always, you know, and I'm, I'm distressed about things like the 1619 project, which I think is just complete hokum. Um, I just want your, your thoughts about, you know, in, in this field of conspiracy, how it all, it, it oftentimes leads to this idea that this experiment was never noble that it was always about well as i mentioned the 1619 project it's always about the evil empire and so forth and um if i have maybe contributed to that unintentionally because I, i i always have believed that america is a great nation and capable of redemption which you know every country has a dark past every country every country has oppressed every I mean, the history of the world is the history of displaced peoples and conquered peoples and so forth. And so, uh, I don't know, it's kind of a, a huge mouthful, but what are your thoughts? Well, I wrote a chapter called A Brief History of the United States um, in praise of the founding, in, in praise of the ideals of in the Constitution and in the writings of the founders and in the concept of America and what the possibilities were as a place where you know, the people could uh, govern ourselves through our representatives. And we are uh, horrifically captured and used and manipulated by really, really evil forces to evil intents right now. Um, aliens coming here and looking at us for the first time would say, okay, let's see what's going on here. Okay. That country, America is brutalizing, raping and pillaging and exploiting and manipulating and killing whomever it wants all over the planet. Yeah. While it tells its own people. Yeah. That they're the good guys. Wow. Isn't that something? So, um, that's a fair, I think, assessment of reality right now. I think the salvation of the planet is personal. It comes from you, me, and every individual 
embracing the idea that we are sovereign, that life is sacred, that by virtue of being human beings, we are sovereign. We get to govern ourselves and we have inalienable rights. And it's never been expressed better. It's never been put into the charter of a government better than uh, the, the founding of the United States of America. And that only works for people who want to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. That only works if you, me, and enough other people dare to imagine that you can fight City Hall, that I can do any, I can do something, no matter who I am, to make a difference. And whether it's writing a book, whether it's having a radio show, whether it's uh, having tea parties, where you show, you know, loose change or you, you show the truth about anything. It's to actively participate in the salvation of uh, the, the planet in turning your government around, turning my government around. I could go on and on about this, Richard, because I love it. It's the core of it. And if there weren't the hope that the tides could turn, if a greater percentage of any country's population uh, could make a difference if there wasn't that hope. I too might succumb to all the self-destructive habits and addictions that are consuming Americans. I don't know about the rest of the world. I, I believe it's not quite as epidemic, but Americans, as one college professor recently put it in an interview, these kids, college students, are in the fetal position, she said. They're filled with despair. They think there's a deadly virus out there that's going to kill them. They think the economy is disastrous. They think that there are no jobs. They think that that life is hopeless, that they can't influence politics. They can't they can't better themselves economically. This is America. So and I've also heard others say that uh, folks around the world are looking to America like how you mentioned Australia succumbing to tyrannical despotism. I know that that's happening in the in many other countries in Europe. I know it's happening to a catastrophic degree, an extreme degree worse in Chile by virtue of what Whitney Webb has revealed about what it was like there and why she had to leave and relocate to the United Kingdom. Independent investigative journalist Whitney Webb. Um, but if America can't stand up to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution, um, uh, so there's great hope in, st in living up to the ideals of, of the Constitution, but an, uh, regular human beings have to uh, want to self-govern and have to want to hold their representatives' right. feet to the fire. Well, I think, I think you know, uh, the last point before we break one more time, and that is, you know, we talk about fear you talk about fear management. And I think one of the greatest fears that people actually have is freedom. People mm -hmm. fear freedom. It's hard work. We'll, uh, we'll come back and discuss further. Bruce DeTorris stays with us. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. All right, a few minutes remain with Bruce DeTorris. Wow, where did the time go? Um, anyway, the... Uh, the book. How do we get a copy, Bruce? At trineday.com, T-R-I-N-E-D-A-Y.com. God, school, 9-11, and JFK, the lies that are killing us. 
and the truths that set us free. So we've we've kind of gone through the list of some of the lies that are killing us and the uh, the trauma, the uh, enslavement. So just in the time that remains, let's go back to, you know, the truth that sets us free. And we talked about that earlier in the program, you know, that um, uh, energy is the intention to exist. And, you know, we manifest uh, our intentions. This is and this is the world that we've inherited. It is the culmination, I guess, of our intentions. Uh, so how do we how do we turn this around? I mean, is it as simply as is it as simple as, you know, reversing this whole process of, uh, um, and, and understanding that separateness is an illusion? I mean, it sounds, you know, kind of for some people, maybe a little new agey and it can't be that simple or it that's too hard. I mean, what 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 do we need to do uh, to, to correct this? Well, I was thinking, you know, what you brought up about fear and overcoming fear just before this last break. And it answers the question you just asked. In my opinion, the greatest single thing anyone could do is to imagine they had a really loving mother who said things like, there, there, everything's all right. From your youngest age, you scraped your knee, there, there, everything's all right. <gasps> you're crying, you're crying, you're really upset, you're scared about something. There, there, everything's all right. Talk, imagine you had that, and then you had that internalized. And you also had a very encouraging, empowering dad who said, come on, there's a lot, we got a lot to do today. We're going to make a mess. We're going to we're going to break things. We're going to fix things, but we got to take care of the animals. We have to build and repair that, and we got to be back in time for dinner. And talk to ourselves like that. Talk to if if when more of us, Richard, talk to ourselves and each other like a really loving mom. They're there. Everything's all right. We got this. And a really encouraging and empowering, confident father. You can do this. It's up to you. doesn't matter if you do it wrong. The more you do it, the better you'll get at it. Because I submit, we talk to ourselves the way that our parents did. Even if we had no parents or if we had a single parent, and most folks talk to themselves with very, very negative self-talk. So to understand how we talk to ourselves so that we could have some choice about how we talk to ourselves, why do we think what we think? Why do we believe what we believe when it's it has to start with each person individually when they're alone with themselves? Are you addicted to video games? Are you addicted to social media? Are you addicted to alcohol and drugs? Are you addicted to your depression? Figure yourself out. Figure yourself out and see if reading my book, listening to Richard's other guests, Whatever it takes to rouse yourself up to the big questions. Who am I? Why am I here? How do I want to feel? And, what, you know, how, how do, what do I think a good life is? And how can I help? Because a split second, we want to give something, let alone a value. That's, the, that's as fast as we have it. And that comes down to that answers the last point you just made, Richard, about the esoteric new agey stuff. It's the classics. 
do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Because we only have what we give. You know, I'm leaning forward. I'm talking with enthusiasm. I'm trying to feel this. Richard and all of anyone who's listening, you're just the lucky beneficiaries because, and, I, and that sounds selfish, and I'm very excited to be here, obviously. This might be the biggest audience I ever get, Richard. It's such an honor to be on your show. I can't even begin to to start talking about it because I'll sound like such a, you know, a, a groveling kid, and I'm going to be 60 <laughs> years old. I'm not a kid, but I'm still excitable. Um, and, don't, let, uh, don't ever lose that. No, we can't lose that. I feel the same way. Every <laughs> morning you. is Christmas morning. Because you say so. We get to say that. We get to choose our thoughts and what we tell ourselves and tell each other. Right. It's, it's important, uh, that inner work you talk about, because a lot of people are running around. They want to change the world and correct other people. Uh, you know, when we have this cancel culture thing and, mm. um, and, 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 you know, people wake up in the morning and they, they can't even make their own bed. And yet, you know, they, they want to change other people. Mm. Uh, you know, we have to look in the mirror. You got to change yourself. If everybody just focused on that, I mean, I just, it sounds selfish maybe, but if you focus on yourself, that's how you change it, right? Yeah, and then you 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 know you squeeze an orange, you get orange juice. Okay, if you, if a person's miserable and complaining and unhappy, you bump into them. What's going to come out? It's a lot of complaints, and even with their friends and family, you know. So if you want to change the world, you want to you know make it any happier, friends, you gotta you gotta figure out happiness first. Just because, like I said earlier, we are with ourselves. Most of the time. So just, and this is obviously very personal. And, you know, to be someone worth being with when you're alone, get, you know, work on that. And then, you you know, you, you can contribute something, but just to have a little humility and know that everyone is dealing with the challenge and the confusion and the mystery of being a human being, of positioning ourselves in this universe or in the in the family i'm in or in the job that i'm in and if you think it's you against them good night nurse and good luck but if you think that you know i am you and you are me and john another john lennon lyric just right there expressing a lot of these ideas i'm gonna call them truths which is gutsy because that's, you know, what's, you know, what's true for me is, is true for me. I don't, you know, you can't say what's true for anybody else, but you can compare notes and see, you know, Hey, most people enjoy puppies and kittens and children playing and good music and natural pastoral scenes. And yeah, I can make some grand, grand sweeping claims about what's, what's true. And there's not a second we have to lose. No matter how many seconds we have left. How many seconds do we have left, Richard? <laughs> we got about a minute. We have about a minute. With, we can to get fill a lot with, of it. To jam, yeah, <laughs> information bombs and, and truth and love. Um, yeah, is it, to me, I don't know, it's the word happiness. People, I'm not happy. I got to find me. I got to get happy. Maybe, to me, it's not about happiness. It's, that's, that's the byproduct, I guess. It's about maybe reducing suffering. In the world, trying to reduce suffering, having purpose, having responsibility, uh, 
and then maybe at the end of that, that's maybe that that is maybe that's happiness. But I think maybe that's maybe that is part of the problem. We're all running around trying to be happy. It could be, um, you know, the the mystics and the gurus and the people who teach yoga and all everything people do to handle and manage the stress that we're all under is uh, it's important. And we're all under a tremendous amount of stress and turning off the, the news and, and just figuring out how to enjoy being you every moment of the day is not too much to aspire to. It's just because it might be impossible. We can still aspire to it. Um, you know, not to be so, you know, generic in these platitudes, you know, shoot for the stars. You might hit the moon. Um, you know, life is worth living. And enjoying, it's worth figuring out how to enjoy it. And then it's worth figuring out how to help others enjoy it too. And, uh, you know, the truth of who and what we are is the beginning of sanity. Because if we're not dealing with truth, Richard, we're insane. You know, and and insanity is seeing something for what it's not. It's thinking something is so that's not. To deal with reality is to be sane. And I submit that it's a reality that love is a vibration, only energy is is real, and one can get that from many books, mine included, that what you think and feel radiates out infinitely, literally and physically. And as sensitive, you know, vibrational beings, the more folks who love life and want to love life and want to calm down and just solve problems and get the facts, the better the, every, everybody's life will be. That's a good place to start and a good place to finish. Bruce, I enjoyed hanging out with you immensely. I hope we can do it again sometime. Me too. Thank you. Bruce de Torres, God School, 9-11 and JFK. All right, my thanks to Carlos and Ryan back next week with a brand new program. Hope to see you then. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.